Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. America's two great pastimes collide on this podcast. It is baseball and making money from the dog days of summer through the October Classic. Greg Bases Peterson's going to be free swinging at the betting board as he tries to hit a grand slam for your bankroll. Now here is GP. Tuesday to one and all. Welcome in to the Zunia Tequila Studios for MLB Overtime Betting. Greg Peterson coming at you once again, and we've got a great show for you. It's Scott Hastings of Odd Shark. You know how much I love the guys from Odd Shark. He's going to be joining me in the second segment. We're going to be taking a look at the slate for today, just how he evaluates games that are off the board, and just talk a little baseball in general. It's going to be a lot of fun. In the final segment, I give you a side and total on every game on today's Las Vegas betting board in a little something I'd like to call Touch Them All. I did not get any Twitter questions in today. As always, I like to answer those in the first segment, so if you ever have any, tweet them in at squirty one Please do not DM them. I'm not going to see them, but... Fire him in on the timeline. More than happy to answer them. So, we had a little bit of a shorter slate yesterday, but let's take a look back at yesterday's results, try to find some trends, and try to become better handicappers from it. So, who's streaking and who is slumping? It is time for Rakers and Fakers. For the 11th time in their last 15 games, the overhits and the Yankees take down the Toronto Blue Jays by a count of 10 to 8. And the runs really came late in this one. Toronto gets two in the first inning, and then the Yankees in the fifth and sixth innings get all 10 of their runs as John Carlos Satan gets his first home run of the year. He is fresh off the injured list. And Aaron Hicks is trying to reacclimate himself after coming off the injured list. Hasn't been a good year for him. But he goes deep for his fifth home run of the year. The home run that Hicks hit was off of one, Aron Sanchez, who did not have the best of days. Five and a third innings gives up seven runs, all of which weren't including that home run. The home run that Stanton hit came off of Derek Law. He gave up three runs in a third of an inning. 
Give Sean Reed Foley some credit. He came in for two innings of relief and was able to do a good job. And for the Toronto Blue Jays, they seem to be turning things around with the bat as well. Freddie Galvis, his 12th home run of the year, and Lords Gurriel Jr., his 10th as for the New York Yankees. CeCe Sabathia, solid start in this one. After giving up those two runs in the first inning, he goes six strong and gives up just those two. Jonathan Holder continues to be an issue for the Yankees, though. He gives up five runs, including those two home runs, without recording a single out. So needless to say, things are not going well for him. 681 ERA, but we're also noticing with the Toronto Blue Jays, they are beginning to play some overs themselves. The over is 10-2-1 in their last 13 games. It's typically been because of the other team, but with that said, the Blue Jays seem to be heating up there. The New York Mets and the Philadelphia Phillies certainly had their bats going as the New York Giants wind up losing to the Philadelphia Eagles by a count of 13-7. Oh, wait a second, this is baseball, and this was the Mets versus the Phillies. In this one, for the New York Mets, they got quite a bit of power in this one. Dominic Smith, his fifth home run of the year. You had Michael Conforto going deep for his 16th home run. Wilson Ramos and Todd Frazier also hit their ninth home runs of the year, as Zach Eflin in this one gave up three of those four home runs. Five innings pitch, gives up six runs, all of which were earned, yet he gets a win. And then from there, the bullpen of the Philadelphia Phillies, which is down the bottom ten in regards to ERA, did a little bit better. Fernando Salas wound up giving up a home run in the ninth inning, but Pat said it was pretty good. J.D. Hammer and Juan Yasko, three scoreless innings between the two of them. And then for the Philadelphia Phillies, a team that came into this one averaging just four runs per game in the month of June and were riding, I believe it was a seven-game losing streak, really got things going. Mikel Franco is 10th home run of the year. Reese Hoskins is 17th. Gene Segura, his 8th. And Jay Bruce goes deep for his 7th thinger of the year. As in this one, Steven Matz continued to have his issues with the Philadelphia Phillies. We all remember the start in which he gave up 8 runs without recording a single out. A little bit better here, but still not good. He winds up going 4 and a third innings, giving up 7 runs, including 3 of those home runs. Brooks Pounders, who had actually been doing a halfway decent job out there in the bullpen for the Mets, also gave up a home run. Five outs recorded, gives up five runs. Needless to say, not a good balance there. And then Steven Nagosik, the gentleman from the University of Oregon, winds up coming in for two innings, giving up one run. So the Mets bullpen continues to be an issue. The White Sox have had a pretty good bullpen so far this year, but it let them down in this one. They lose to the Boston Red Sox by a count of 6-5. to five. Of all things, it was a infield single that ended this one as as it was Marco Hernandez who wound up getting that infield single to win the game and for the Chicago White Sox it now means that Lucas Giolito is no longer the most profitable pitcher out there in baseball according to Odd Trick if you put $100 on every one of the starting pitchers in every one of their starts so far this year it is now Andrew Kashner he goes five and two-thirds innings giving up three runs including a home run from there, you had Kevin Herrera giving up a run in the eighth inning, and then Jace Fry was the victim of that infield single. Evan Marshall also wound up giving up a run out of the bullpen while recording just one out. For the Chicago White Sox, they did have their offense going, one in which has been in the bottom ten in the big leagues in regards to runs per game in the month of June. Jose Abreu was 18th home run of the year, and Yohan Moncada his 13th as for the Red Sox. Eduardo Rodriguez gave up both those home runs and all five of the runs that the White Sox were able to pound out in six and a third innings. But then from there, Marcus Walder, Colton Brewer, Brandon Workman, and Josh Taylor were all able to cobble things together and keep it scoreless. For the Boston Red Sox, they got some power out of Jackie Bradley Jr. and Mookie Betts as well. For Mookie Betts, his 13th home run of the year, and Jackie Bradley Jr., his 8th. It became a bullpen game out there in Cleveland as the Indians take down the Kansas City Royals by a count of 3-2 in 10 innings. For the Kansas City Royals, their bullpen is much improved. 
and it was Brad Keller was the starter in this one. He wound up only going three innings because in the bottom of the fourth inning, this game had a very long rain delay in it. Keller winds up not giving up a single run. And then you have to give some credit to the Kansas City Royals bullpen, which appears to be much improved. Brian Flynn comes in for three and two-thirds innings. He gives up one run, and that would be the last run given up until Willie Peralta gives up the game-winning home run to Jason Kipnis in the 10th inning. Kipnis, his sixth home run of the year. Adam Pluko, the starter for the Cleveland Indians, gave up one run in his four innings. And as we know, the Cleveland Indians, best bullpen out there in the big leagues, they go a combined six innings, giving up one run. That one run was given up by Nick Whitgren in the ninth inning. He went two strong innings, and then you had A.J. Cole, Tyler Olsen, Tyler Clippard, and Brad Hand all being able to do their jobs. Once again, a stellar outing from the Cleveland Indians bullpen, but you have to give credit to the Kansas City Royals and Whit Merrifield as he was able to go deep for his 11th home run of the year. I thought the total of anywhere between 11.5 and, and 12 was way too high for the Atlanta Braves and the Chicago Cubs game. It was too high, but just barely, as the Cubs take down the Atlanta Braves by a count of 8-3. to three. Difference maker in this one was a 5 spot in the 5th inning by the Chicago Cubs. And being able to supply some power in this game, not actually in the 5th inning, but earlier and later, Jason Hayward, his 11th home run of the year, that came off of Tuki Dusan, and then Julio Teran got knocked around by Wilson Contreras, his 16th home run of the year, that came in the 2nd inning as... Mr. Tadon entered into his last start before this one, having given up one run or fewer in every start since the beginning of May. Well, in his last two starts, he's given up five plus, as in this one, he gives up seven runs in four innings of work. You also had Tuki Toussaint giving up that home run, but got to give a little bit of credit to the bullpen. Combined four innings, to give up just one run. As said, as Chad Sabatka provides two solid innings. And for the Atlanta Braves, the lone bright spot in this one, Dansby Swanson going deep for his 15th home run of the year. As for the Chicago Cubs, John Lester, a terrific start. He goes six innings. He does give up two runs, but both those runs were unearned as the home run that was supplied by the Atlanta Braves came off of Tony Barnett, who now has an ERA of a 27 because he recorded one out and gave up that one home run. So needless to say, he's going to want to work on that. And the LA Dodgers are going to want to work on their bullpen as they lose to the Arizona Diamondbacks by a count of 8-5. to five. In this one, not the best start for Clayton Kershaw. Six innings pitch, gives up four runs, all of which were earned, but actually left the game with a tide. He gave up both home runs at the Arizona Diamondbacks hit, which were supplied by Zach Greinke, his third of the year. I don't know how he has one fewer home runs than Miguel Cabrera at this point, but he does. And Christian Walker is 14th of the year. As for the LA Dodgers, they got off to a fast start. A three-run first, and the Arizona Diamondbacks also got three in the first. And for the Dodgers, this was just a situation where they left 10 men on base and they couldn't get that big home run. And for the Arizona Diamondbacks, they got to the bullpen of the Dodgers as in this one, it was Dylan Floro that cast candidate for the Dodgers, giving up four runs while recording just two outs. And for the Arizona Diamondbacks, Zach Greinke wasn't necessarily nails either. He goes six innings, giving up four runs. But then you had the bullpen of this Arizona Diamondbacks team being able to come through as Yoan Lopez, Yoshi Arano, Andrew Jaffin, TJ McFarland, and Greg Holland all combined for three innings, of which they give up just one run. TJ McFarland giving up that lone run. So very good showing there. And the night was capped off by a shutout by the Colorado Rockies, taking down the San Francisco Giants by a count of two to zero. John Gray, terrific start in this one for the Rockies. Six innings pitch, does not give up a single run. From there, you had Scott Oberg, Wade Davis, and Dario Diaz being able to give a scoreless inning apiece. And the lone runs in this game came off the bat of David Dahl, a two-run home run in the 
third inning off of Drew Pomerantz, his ninth of the year. And Drew Pomerantz pitching better this month than he did last month. Five innings pitch, he gives up two runs, both of which were earned. Got to give a tip of the cap to Derek Holland as well. Three innings of relief does not give up a run. And then in the ninth inning, you had Trevor Gott give a scoreless inning as well for the San Francisco Giants, but they wound up going 0 for 5 with men in scoring position and just could not generate any offense. So that was their big bugaboo there. And now let's take a look at what we learned from Monday. The Yankees and Blue Jays continue to play overs. The New York Mets bullpen continues to be awful, and perhaps the Philadelphia Phillies have busted out their funk. Lucas Giolito might be regressing with his second straight loss. The Kansas City Royals and Cleveland Indians seem to have good bullpens with the Royals improving and the Indians just staying there. But the Kansas City Royals continuing to have their issues on offense. Julio Tehran appears to have regressed a little bit. The LA Dodgers have some issues with their bullpen. And the San Francisco Giants are continuing to struggle on offense. So that was Monday. Now let's take a look forward to Tuesday. Let's talk some baseball and let's have some fun with our man out there with Odd Shark. Scott Hastings, and that is up next right here on MLB Overtime Bet. Greg is going to the bullpen as he makes a call to the Azunia Hotline. We're back here on MLB Overtime Betting. Greg Peterson coming at you from the Azunia Tequila Studios in lovely Las Vegas. And this is a man that is quickly becoming... One of the main cohorts of this fine podcast, he does terrific work over there at Odd Shark. He is right now doing just a absolutely fantastic job with baseball. He also does a little bit of MMA, boxing, NCAA, you name it, he does it. Scotty Sings over there at Odd Shark is my guest. You can follow him on Twitter at Scotty H underscore OS. And Scott, how are you doing today? Uh, glad to be back, Greg. It's a beautiful day and looking forward to chat more baseball. I am as well, but first thing is first. One thing that I noticed when I was taking a look at the card for Tuesday is that we're doing this on Monday, and five games are currently off the board. How do you typically handle it when there are a lot of games that are off the board, such as a day like today? Yeah, like uh, some of them, they have some already announced pitchers, so you sort of can mess with the numbers yourself, sort of judging by I'm looking at ESPN and like Chicago, Boston, for example, David Price is announced for Boston, but Chicago doesn't have a starter. So you can sort of build your case around David Price and then sort of surmise what the White Sox might throw at it. Same thing, Madison Bumgarner in the San Fran, Colorado game. So I think that's probably your best approach, but it, it is very difficult when you don't have concrete numbers and you don't exactly know who's going to be opposing them on the hill. But I think you just sort of got to go with the information you have and sort of have a rough guideline that, hey, if the number's here, I like it. If not, maybe it's a stay away. Maybe I've got to do a little more research. But I think you just got to sort of do what you got in front of you. Oh, absolutely. And then there is one of these games that is off the board that I think can be very, very easily handicapped, to say the least. You've got the San Diego Padres, and they're going to be on the road against the Baltimore Orioles. Now, right now on ESPN, I'm seeing Josh Rogers as a starter. But whether it's Josh Rogers or anyone else from either the Baltimore Orioles AAA program or their bullpen, you could summarize that you're probably going to be riding the San Diego Padres run line if you're going to be playing this game because I just don't see any way you could be backing the Baltimore Orioles and their poopy starters or their poopy bullpen. Well, yeah, that could be definitely a smart play, but also the overs for Baltimore is definitely... Oh, gosh. A, uh, yeah, it's not a terrible wager by any means there. Of course, on Sunday, them and Seattle got into it with a... 
I think the total was set at nine. Yeah, it I was set at it, nine. That was one of the most it, ridiculous nines I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, and you know, I hammered that one. You hammered that one. Plenty of people hammered that one, and it soared over by, I believe, the third or fourth inning. So it was a no sweat over. We like those every once in a while. It makes betting a lot more fun when you don't even got to think about it, and we're only a third of the way through. So that could be another one, you know, Josh Rogers, you know, a north of eight ERA and a one and a half whip. String together seven other guys, and I think you and I could get the over against that, regardless of what that number is. Yeah, I think my mother and my father batting cleanup could possibly be able to help get that over as we've got Scott Asics joining me on the podcast. And you talk about that game on Sunday between the Orioles and the Seattle Mariners. That was one where it was like over or pass. When you see those sorts of games where you're just like, what in the heck are they doing posting this number? What typically runs through your mind? Are you trying to think maybe the bookmakers are trying to psych me out or do you just go for it every time? And if you go down, you just say, you know what? Went down on my shield. No shame there. Yeah, I think that's a, a really good point right there, that going down on your shield. And I think that's a big problem that a lot of bettors have, actually, is they're looking at day-to-day wins and losses, which is definitely important. But you got to realize that the best sports bettors are not the one hit runoff in the sunset. They, it's a long process that they build their unit size. Maybe it's a unit or two a day and you're going to have losing days. I use that a lot with my capping that, you know, there could be two, three days in a row where I go 0 for 7, 0 for 8. It's not out of the question, but I keep a track of my, like I keep looking at the overall picture and I'll go back through my tweets and see like, Oh, well, I'm still hitting at 60% or whatever that number may be. So sometimes you could cap a game and it looks absolutely perfect. They play the game and it goes a little haywire. It happens. As long as your strategy remains consistent and you track that stuff over the long term and you can see where you're going right or where you're going wrong. Uh, A perfect example of that was John Lester at home earlier this season. He had something like a 0.7 ERA through four or five starts or whatever it was. And he had a situation where he was at home You got to back them, even though the numbers were a little sketchy and we knew the wheels were going to come off. We just didn't know when. And so I think that that happens that you see a line, it looks perfect. You play it and it backfires. And I think you just pick yourself back up, dust yourself off and bet again. I'm right there with you. And we do have a couple interesting pitchers going on Tuesday. I don't think that there's anyone to the extreme of John Lester. He actually, ironically enough, wound up going on Monday, but One thing I am very intrigued by is Blake Snell. He is on the road against the Minnesota Twins. You got Kyle Gibson going for the Twins, Blake Snell for the Tampa Bay Rays. We all remember the last start of Blake Snell. He wound up getting a grand total of one out more than yourself and I in that game. Total on this game is nine. I'm seeing it right around minus 110 each way, and the Tampa Bay Rays, a slight favorite, minus 110. You're looking at the Twins at home being even money. What do you make out of this? Because we have noticed, aside from that game against the Yankees, Blake Snell has actually been pretty good against the teams like the Boston Red Sox and company, but he has been absolutely horrible against lesser competition, and now he's in a little bit of a funk as well, which I think makes this game just so darn intriguing. Yeah, Blake Snell has not performed the way he, he did last year. You know, the best month he's had so far was in April, and everything else has just sort of been mid-range. June has been absolutely horrific. That being said, Minnesota is starting to hit a little bit of a wall. I sort of had that feeling coming because I didn't think that they were ready to win uh, the AL Central this year. I thought they were a year back. 
I thought this was Cleveland's last kick at the can, as it were. And I think we're starting to see that. And maybe it was just a small sample size and they're going to regroup. But I'm not 100% confident in this Twins team. So, you know, Blake Snell, it's, it's hit and miss. And like you say, he's coming off that atrocious effort against the Yankees last week. I got to assume he's going to bounce back and put in a, a stronger effort. He, you know, earlier this year, he's had a couple times where he was roughed up, you know, at Kansas City. He allowed seven over three innings, comes back and throws six scoreless against Arizona. And earlier this month against Detroit, he gets up six earned on four and a third comes back and throws six innings of one run ball against Boston. So it looks like he does have that ability to regroup quickly. And, you know, you've seen it all year that if you're going to bet Tampa Bay, you're betting them on the run line because there's no point on the money line. They cover at such a high rate that get that extra juice and go for the two runs or more. Absolutely. And we do have Scott Hastings joining me right here on MLB Overtime Betting. And then another game that I'm very intrigued by you got the Detroit Tigers going at it on Tuesday against the Texas Rangers. With the Texas Rangers, even though they've been without Joey Gallo, even though there should be some regression with this team, there just hasn't been. They're 42 and 36 right now. They're going up against the Detroit Tigers team that sends out their Jordan Zimmerman. To say things have not went as planned this year for Jordan Zimmerman would be an understatement. He is owned for 603 ERA and his last start against the Pittsburgh Pirates. He lasted three innings. This is a Detroit bullpen that has been absolutely horrific. Meanwhile, with the Texas Rangers, they're without a lot of their key pieces that have been playing a lot of unders, but their bullpen has actually looked much better. Total on this game is dying and a half. Which way would you look on this one? Because I think it's so interesting because with the Texas Rangers, they're doing a better job of pitching. They've got Jesse Chavez going, which you can't think that he's going to be in the game too long, but... With Jordan Zimmerman, there's a chance that he might give up six runs in this game, too. Oh, yeah. Like, what an interesting matchup. The thing that bodes well for Zimmerman, there's not a lot, is that he's only given up six home runs this year. And granted, that's coming over just a handful of starts, 34 innings pitched. He's allowed six home runs. That's where Texas lives and dies. You know, if they can't get the ball out of the park, they're probably not going to score a lot of runs. They're among the bottom for overall batting average. So it's a very interesting that if Jordan Zimmerman can keep the ball down and eat up four or five innings, the under might be the smart play. And then hopefully the Detroit bullpen can somewhat survive the uh, the latter half of the game. As you said, like Texas's bullpen has really, really turned around recently. So it's one of those ones that what is Chavez going to give you? Like he's coming off a great start against Cleveland where allowed one run over five innings. So you get a similar situation against Detroit, by all means, the under looks like a fantastic play. But if we get a short leash and that bullpen gets taxed a lot more, well, now we're looking at a different situation because Texas, their bullpen has thrown the 10th most innings this month alone. So although that ERA looks pretty good, if they're throwing, you keep throwing them out there, eventually the wheels are going to fall off. We see bullpens get tired, overtaxed, and then the runs come in bunches. So it's one of those situations where what are the starters going to give you? It's a, a very question mark. And I think you see that with a nine and a half line, a total. I find those ones are always sneaky because I think that books don't exactly know what's going to happen in that situation because we could get the Zimmerman that keeps the ball down and we get a seven-run game or we get the Jordan Zimmerman that gives up the long ball and we get a 14-run game. I am right there with you. And then I think another game that is a big question mark, is the Chicago Cubs, and they're going to be playing OC Atlanta Braves. And Atlanta Braves have scored the most runs of any team out there in the month of June. 
It's by quite a lot. It's by nearly a full run per game. They have been absolutely dominating. Max Fried, meanwhile, after he got off to a nice start to the year, things have not necessarily gone well for him. But he's going up against a relative unknown for the Chicago Cubs, Edbert Alozle. Hopefully I'm saying that one. Yeah. <laughs> we will go with Alozle. Hopefully I am correct on that. If not, I apologize to all Alozle fans out there. But right now you're seeing this game. Essentially, you pick them wherever you look. The Braves are right around minus 105. The Cubs are around minus 105. No total on this one since it is a regularly field game. That'll be up in the morning. But what do you make out of this? Because Max Fried has been on a little bit of a slide. Alozle has been good, but he's also thrown a grand total of four innings. So needless to say, very, very small sample size. Yeah, you know, I like Max Fried, but he's one of those pitchers that we are seeing month after month. As more footage comes out and information, the teams are getting on him a lot more. He went from a 2.43 ERA in April down to a 4.11 in May and to a 6.53 so far in June. That being said, Atlanta has won all four of his starts this month. So he's giving up the runs, but their offense is backing him up over 30 runs over four starts. He's getting the run support that covers up his poor performances so it's one of those situations where where's the wind blowing at Wrigley? Because Ozole, I'm going to go with that one. Short sample size against the Mets that, quite frankly, their offense doesn't scare me outside of Pete Alonso. Four innings, one earned run on one. One solo jack is all he gave up. A couple walks, five strikeouts. So what exactly? It's so hard. But the footage isn't out on him. You know, that start did come at home. So... I guess you sort of got to ride that hot hand and lean towards the Cubs. And the Cubs are one of the best cover teams at home this year, covering the run line at like 48%. So might be an opportunity to find some juice there on the Cubbies. And I'm right now looking up how to say the last name. I'm right now seeing Alzole. So Alzole is what we're going to be going with hey. here. So we do have Scott Hastings. A little bit of an easier name to pronounce. Right here on MLB Overtime Betting. And then I think that this Tuesday card is just very intriguing because we went through the fact that we've got a lot of games off the board. I'll be honest here with the Baltimore Orioles versus the San Diego Padres game. Don't think there's a lot to think about here. But I do think that there is a lot to think about with the total in the Marlins versus the Washington Nationals game. Trevor Richards goes on the mound for the Miami Marlins. Max Scherzer for the Washington Nationals. I'm right now seeing the total at 7 with the over at minus 125, so heavily juiced there. But I love what I'm seeing out of Max Scherzer. I know that he's gotten a little bit banged up in his two starts against Miami Marlins, right around a 5-6 ERA against Miami Marlins. But we know that for the year, the Miami Marlins dead last in the league in regards to runs per game. But I will also say this, the Marlins, 19-15 and in their last 34 games. But they've also not given Trevor Richards any run support. In nine out of his first 15 starts, two runs or fewer for him. This is one, even though the total is so low and we are in, I guess you could call it the juice ball air and everything like that, where I have to look at the under pass. Yeah, I think I'm with you on that one. In addition to Scherzer, who he strikes people out. <laughs> Let's call it what it is. That's his main objective of getting guys owed is striking the moat. And Miami ranks eighth in the league in strikeout percentage this month. So I got to assume that Scherzer's going to touch those double-digit strikeouts. Absolutely bodes well for the under. And Trevor Richards has been good. You know, he's only had a few starts where he's, he's got a little roughed up. But for the most part, he's kept the ball in play. 
He's only given up 10 home runs over 84 innings, which slightly elevated, but not ridiculous. Most of those came back-to-back months, but hasn't given up round trip at all this month. He's had a couple of shutouts. Trevor Richards, very, very reliable, just no offense behind him. You know, he had that god-awful streak to start the year where he had six or seven straight losses, despite having a decent ERA. You know, Scherzer's doing, he's coming into fine form recently. I was a little worried that we might be seeing the tail end of Max Scherzer's career through the first couple months of the year where they weren't getting the wins. He was still pitching well, but didn't look exactly his dominant self. But this month, he's like, no, 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 I'm, I'm still here. I've got a lot more in the tank. You know, pitching deep into games. He's only had two starts where he hasn't thrown more than six innings. I think he's going to mow down this Miami lineup, and hopefully Trevor Richards can hold down the Nats. And is there anything else on the Tuesday card that is really jumping out to you? We've got a couple of big underdogs in the Kansas City Rails who have actually won each of the last two series. I will give them that. And the Pittsburgh Pirates, who we saw on Sunday with one of the most ridiculous comebacks ever. Kirby Yates, 26-26 in save opportunities, blows a three-run lead. Then the Padres get a three-run lead going into the 11th inning. They blow that one as well. I don't know what to make out of this Pittsburgh Pirates team, but they keep playing overs. They're going up against Garrett Cole. What's all sticking out to you? Because I do think that it is a very fun Tuesday card. The good thing about that wild Pittsburgh game on Sunday was that I had in-game them earlier yeah. for my formula. I got a little I was on the Pirates money line. I that. thought that that just, was lost money right there that just magically reappeared in my bankroll. Yes, can't argue with that. I did have full unit on the money line and a half on the run line. So I missed the run line, but we made a little profit there on the in-game, a wild game. And Pittsburgh is one of those teams that you look at the lineup and there's nothing that really stands out that, geez, they're a playoff contending team or they can give anyone a run for their money. But they do. Every game, they're not a team that you can just write off. You know, they're playing Houston, who should have their number and Houston should run right through them. But it might not happen because they're a scrappy team. Josh Bell in the center of the lineup, he causes a lot of issues. Their pitching is middle of the road. And I think that's what makes some of these teams like Pittsburgh and St. Louis sometimes is their pitching is not great, but it's not bad. It just sort of sits in that 12th to 18th range in the rankings. And they're very tough because they can really show up and shut it down and give your team a chance to win or even get an under. However, they may show up on the other side of things and we get an 11 to 10 wild game and it is what it is. So very tricky. Pittsburgh is one of those teams that I'm afraid to bet on them before the game, but I love in-gaming them once see them a few innings. And if that situation shows up with the runners in scoring position, they usually come through afterwards if it works in their favor. So I think that's one of the ones I'm going to stay away from, but I got to assume that Garrett Cole is going to hold them down for the most part. And I don't know if Pittsburgh can figure it away to get that offense, but hey. I will say Trevor Williams coming off his second start off the injured list. He actually did have the best ERA after the all-star break in 2018, but what Trevor Williams we are going to see is a big question mark, but I will also throw this in here. The ending to that Pirates versus Padres game, I keep going back to it in the 11th inning. A walk-off walk with the bases loaded in a tie game to walk the winning run. How does a pitcher sit there and face his team? I I can understand if you give up the game-winning hit or anything like that. You are paid millions of dollars to throw strikes. How do you just give the guy a win? I mean, that is just what absolutely blows my mind. I feel like we're seeing it more than ever. How do you allow a guy to get a walk for the winning run with the bases loaded? 
Yeah, that's absolutely unacceptable. And, and I believe, was it the Dodgers last week? I, I'm I'm blanking here for a second. Uh, it was a pitcher. That was a Padres a, a pinch hit pitcher. Padres versus Conrad Rockies. Dish. And Mets with Padres. the bases loaded up as a pinch hitter. And John Gray walked the pitcher with the bases loaded and they lost the game. Yes, there we go. Like, that is 100% unacceptable. If you got, you know, Giancarlo Santon or Aaron Judge at the dish, yeah, you're going to pitch a little gingerly around them. But when you got a starting pitcher at the dish, you go right at him. And if he hits it and he walks it off, so be it. That's baseball, man. But you can't walk him. You can't walk a starting pitcher. You can't walk them in any situation. You get an 0-3 count down the pipe. I don't care if it's a BP fastball, 85 miles an hour down the pipe. 3-1 count, do it again. 3-2, now you can get a little more aggressive, but I'm still keeping that in the zone. I'm not throwing anything in the dirt. No, no way, no chance. I'm going to pitch to them because, yeah, I'll take that hit. Let your defense work for you. Don't leave it in the hand of the umpire. That's just going to, I'll send him to first base. He has no problem with that. It's humiliating. It's embarrassing. It's aggravating from a betting perspective, too, when you see that situation happen. And there's no excuses for it. I, I don't know why it's happening. But yeah, it's 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 very awful. And I didn't know it was the Padres. That's funny. We had the NBA draft last week. It's as if one of us said that someone was going to go ahead of Zion Williamson. It's like, there's no chance that that's going to happen. We have officially failed at our jobs. That, that is absolutely unexcusable. I think that that's the equivalent <laughs> of that. But a man that does a very good job is Scott Hastings. And I would like to close it up with this because you and everyone else out there at Odd Shark are absolutely tremendous. I always love having you, Joe Osborne, Ian McMillan, Jill Gallant, everyone else on this fine podcast. I'd like to, and I'd like to close up by letting you promote yourself, let the good people know where they can find a little bit more of your work and just get a little bit more Scott in their lives in general. Ah, well, mostly you can find my writing on Odd Shark, as you mentioned. And then I'm pretty active on Twitter with my tweets and usually it's just my picks. But if you comment on it and you're not a crazy person, usually I'll chat back and I don't mind engaging with a lot of people. And you can always hear me on this podcast because I'm on here quite frequently and get a good chance uh, to chat with Greg. And eventually I'm going to beat him in a beer drinking challenge. So it's uh, lots of fun. Oh, you're going down in that punk. But you know what? It is a lot of fun always having you on the podcast. And it's always tremendous. So a big thanks to Scott Hastings for joining me right here on MLB Overtime Betting. Now it is that time that I give you a side and total on every game on today's Las Vegas betting board and a little something I'd like to call Touch Em All. Hey, I'm Steve Heitner, the guy who uttered the famous phrase, that's gold. And that's the inspiration of my new podcast, That's Gold with Steve Heitner. We talk sports, sports betting, movies, comedy, food, drink, Vegas, music, movies, and more. Five days a week. Did I say movies twice? Look, guys love it, whether they're hip or worried about breaking a hip. Find us on Apple and Google Podcasts, as well as Spotify and Stitcher. That's Gold with me, Steve Heitner. Welcome back to MLB Overtime. Greg is throwing a gem, so yeah, he better not blow it. All right, and we are back here in the Zuniti Gill Studios for MLB Overtime Betting. A big thanks to our friend Scott Hastings, and now a regular, safe to call him, on the podcast for joining me in the last segment. And now it is that time that I give you a side and total on every game on today's Las Vegas betting board, and we do so in a little something I like to call... 
touch them all. If a game is listed on the betting board, Greg has a side and a total on it, so it is time to touch them all. Note that on some of these plays, we are all locked in, good to go, everything like that. Some of these plays, we're waiting on pitching changes, we're waiting on line moves. I went into it in the last segment with Scott Hastings. We've got quite a few games off the board. It, when that is the case, if there's any changes and there's any games that are off the board that I then bet, those will all be noted up on my Twitter feed, at underscore one And as per usual, we're going to be going in Las Vegas rotation order, which starts with 951-952. The Philadelphia Phillies play host to the New York Mets. Walker Lockett goes for the New York Mets. Jake Arrieta goes for the Philadelphia Phillies. Your total on this game Ranging between 10 and 10 and a half. On the 10 and a half, the over and under, both at minus 110. On the 10s, your over is just at minus 120. The under is even. If you're looking at the Philadelphia Phillies, you're going to be laying anywhere between minus 140 and minus 145. Your plus price on the New York Mets, anywhere between plus 125 and plus 132. There's just not a lot of redeeming qualities with Mr. Lockett. Jake Arrieta was supposed to start yesterday. He wound up getting his start pushed back a day in. Jack Arrieta has been a little bit up and down so far this year. 6-6 six six record, 4-1-2 ERA. He's been taken deep quite a bit. 92 and two-thirds innings. He has been victimized for 15 home runs so far this year. And he's been a little bit inconsistent out there in the month of June. First start against the San Diego Padres this month. Gives up five runs in four and two-thirds innings. Last two starts, he went up against the Diamondbacks and the Nationals. Not too bad. A combined 12 innings, giving up four runs. In the month of May, he was all over the place. He had some bad starts there. He wound up giving up four more runs in three starts. And in the other starts, he gave up only one or two runs. So you don't know what you're going to get there with Walker Lockett. A 23.14 ERA, and this is a gentleman that had a pretty bad ERA when he was pitching at high A ball. There's just not a lot of redeeming qualities here. The Mets needed a starter. They've just got a trash pitching staff right now, aside from their main guys like Jacob DeGrom and company. So they need them to fill the void. For the Philadelphia Phillies, their bullpen's been laying them down. They're now in the bottom 10 in the big leagues in regards to bullpen ERA. And for the New York Mets, we all know the bullpen situation there, and it is not good. For the Philadelphia Phillies, they also really got things ignited with the bat yesterday. And you know what? The New York Mets did as well. As if you had the over in that game, it went over very, very fast. And for the Philadelphia Phillies, you do have Reese Hoskins, who's really starting to find it once again. This is a team that was struggling without Andrew McCutcheon at the top of the lineup because he was actually one of the top leaders in walks per game. Reese Hoskins now hitting a 271. He has went deep 17 times so far this year. Bryce Harper no longer in the leadoff spot, and rightfully so. He's back in a little bit more of a comfortable zone, and he right now leads the league in strikeouts, but he's hitting a bit above 250. 13 home runs for him. Gene Segura hitting a 275. He went deep yesterday. GT Riamuto seen his average up to a 260, but you've got Cesar Hernandez hitting right around a 275. But then you've got a couple guys that are struggling as well. Mikel Franco, Roman Quinn, Nick Williams, and Sean Rodriguez all hitting below a 220 at this point, so that leaves something to be desired. But Scott Kingery hitting above 330 at that leadoff spot is big. Meanwhile, with the New York Mets, they've got a good leadoff hitter themselves, Jeff McNeil. He's hitting 340. You've got Todd Frazier and Wilson Ramos, who have been in and out of the lineup so far this year. Both these guys hitting just above a 270 and just below a 280, and both hit their ninth home run of the year yesterday. So they're doing a good job. Dominic Smith hitting above 300. You've got Amid Rosario, who's hitting a 260. Robinson Gano leaves something to be desired, hitting a 2. 25, but 
got to love what you're seeing out of Pete Alonso at this point. This is a man that has a 280 average, 27 home runs. Michael Conforto has went deep 16 times ago with his 260 average. And I do think the difference in this one is going to be the fact that the Phillies have a much better starting pitcher. I think that Jake Arrieta does a good job of being able to calm down the Mets' bad. So for that reason, going to be on the Phillies' run line. Currently, I'm seeing it right around a plus 130. like to be able to get a little bit more value there, but would certainly take 130 if that's the best I can get. And I'm going to be on the under as well. I'm noticing a lot of steam coming in on the over. So would like to be able to get a number of 10.5 if it's unjuiced or perhaps even an 11 if I get lucky as well since I'm noticing a lot of seam coming in there. 953-954 on the betting rotation. You've got the Washington Nationals. They are on the road facing off against the Miami Marlins. Trevor Richards goes for the fish. Meanwhile, Mad Max Scherzer for the Washington Nationals. Your total on this game is 7. Over is just between minus 120 and minus 125. Under is anywhere between even and plus 105. If you're looking at the Washington Nationals, you're laying anywhere between minus 210 and minus 220, plus price here on the fish, anywhere between plus 185 and plus 195. I've been certainly getting a lot of fish in my betting diet recently. This is a team that has won 19 out of their last 34 games. They've actually been very good, and I will say, I brought it up in the last segment, Mad Max Scherzer against the Miami Marlins so far this year, ERA approaching a 5-6. With that said, Max Scherzer has won each of his last four starts has not given up more than one earned run in a start in the month of June, and he is just flat-out dealing. 146 strikeouts in 106 and a third innings. That's right around 12 and a half strikeouts per nine innings. He's only been taken deep eight times, 262 ERA, fielding independent, best in the league at a 220, and Trevor Richards has not been bad himself. Ever since the start of May, he has a 282 ERA. Now the walks for the year are a little bit high. 84 innings, he's given up 36 walks, but he's done a good job of being able to lower that. He's been taken deep 10 times so far this year, and we do know that with the Washington Nationals, they are starting to get things ignited with the bat, and the guy that is really igniting it is Anthony Rendon. Anthony Rendon hitting a 310 for the squad, 17 home runs, over 50 RBI. You've also got Juan Soto who's hitting above a 300. He's done a good job of being able to put bat to ball, 12 home runs, 48 RBI. At the top of the lineup, you've got Adam Eaton hitting a 275, Trey Turner a 283, and he led the league in steals last year. Howie Kendrick, very silently having a nice year. 335 average, 12 home runs. Matt Adams doesn't draw his walks, but he does have a 250 average. He's got some power. Got a couple guys that are letting the team down, though. Michael A. Taylor, Gerardo Parra, Jan Gomes, all hitting a 220 or lower. But Brian Dozier, even though he's only a 235, has been doing a better job of upping his average. Then you take a look at the Miami Marlins. This team is dead last in the league in regards to runs per game. They are more around 23rd in regards to runs per game in the month of June. They've been doing it more or less with great pitching. The guys in the bullpen like Tehran Guerrero and surprisingly Sumergio Romo have actually been doing decent. I will say that they now have two guys hitting above a 300 in the lineup as well in Harold Ramirez and Gary Cooper. Brett Anderson seems to be showing some signs of life. He's hitting at 255. Sterling Castro is only hitting at 238, but that seems to be going in the right direction. The outfield in general for this team has been bad. Cesar Puello, JT Riddle, Curtis Granderson, Austin Deem, Rossell Herrera. All these guys hitting below a 220, but for Riddle, he's now hitting above the Mendoza line. When he went on the injured list, he was just absolutely awful. And he's been hitting some home runs recently, so that's a good sign. Miguel Rojas is hitting at 275, and then you got Jorge Alfaro hitting right in that neighborhood as well. Jorge Alfaro leading the team in home runs. And then whenever Brian Holiday's behind the dish, he's been hitting a 290 as well. So I do like that the Marlins are trending in the right direction, but Max Scherzer is going seven plus innings in all of his starts. And actually, if you look at the Washington Nationals in regards to their bullpen in the month of June, top half of the league in regards to fielding independence. So they've been doing a little bit better. I think Scherzer delivers a great start here. I think the Washington Nationals 
get to Trevor Richards for about three or so runs, and I think that's going to be enough. Going to be riding the Nationals on the run line and the under. Have already locked in the under at the plus price and with the Washington Nationals. Currently seeing a run line price anywhere between minus 120 and minus 130. would like to be able to lay a little bit less juice there. 9.55, 9.56 on the betting rotation. You've got the Chicago Cubs playing host the Atlanta Braves. Max Fried goes for the Braves. Edbert Alzole goes for the Chicago Cubs. Hopefully I said that correctly because that's a little bit of a tongue twister. Because this game is being played at Wrigley Field, currently no total up on the board, but if you like the Atlanta Braves, you're going to be laying anywhere between minus 110 and minus 115. With the Cubs, you're laying anywhere between minus 105 and getting a plus price of plus 105. This is a very interesting spot because we talked about it in the last segment with our man, Scott Hastings. With Max Freed, he's really been getting hit, and he's been getting hit hard right around a 6 ERA. Just hasn't been the same self, but he keeps getting wins because the Atlanta Braves right now lead the league in regards to runs per game in the month of June, and it's by nearly a full run. Meanwhile, with our man, Mr. Edbert Alzole. I Hopefully I'm saying that correctly. This is a little bit of a tongue twister, but... He made six starts out there at the AAA level this year, won a grand total of 32 innings. So you can't figure that he's going to be giving the Cubs any more than five innings, and that's in an ideal situation. But he is a gentleman that has good command, 1.7 walks in those innings. We saw him in four innings with the Chicago Cubs in his first appearance. He wound up giving up one run, so obviously that was good, but a very, very small sample size to go with that, though, at the AAA level, only giving up seven hits per nine innings. Wasn't necessarily the Mona Lisa veto of pitching, but you know what? 13 strikeouts per nine innings. Also pretty darn good. So you got to figure it's going to be a short but decent stint for him. And with the Atlanta Braves, you got a whole lot of guys that are doing a whole lot of hitting for this team. And it all starts with Freddie Freeman going into Monday. 316 batting average, 21 home runs, over 60 RBI. Ronald Acuna Jr. certainly doing his part as well. He's got 10 stolen bases, hitting just below a 300, 18 home runs, 50 RBI. Guy is doing everything. Dansby Swanson and Josh Donaldson have both been stepping up as well. With Swanson, he's hitting just below a 260, with Josh Donaldson just above a 260. Both these guys have between 13 and 15 home runs. Nick Marcakis and Austin Riley both hitting between a 275 and a 280. In the case of Austin Riley, he's been up at the big leagues for about a month. 12 home runs, obviously impressive. Tyler Flowers is hitting a 270. Brian McCann, a 280. And Ozzie Albies, a 280 as well. And then with the Chicago Cubs, got a lot of guys in the middle of the lineup. They're doing a good job of getting on base. Chris Bryant, Anthony Rizzo, Javi Baez, all hitting between a 275 and a 285. And all these guys supply the boom. Chris Bryant, 15 home runs. Anthony Rizzo, 19 home runs. Javi Baez, 19 home runs. Kyle Schwarber, only inning a three. A 230, but he's done a good job of drawing walks. 16 home runs for him. Wilson Contreras hitting above a 290. He's went deep 16 times. You've got Jason Award and David Bodie both hitting at 267. Carlos Gonzalez and other guys like Addison Russell not necessarily doing their job. And I will say this, the Atlanta Braves actually have a top five bullpen out there in the big leagues in regards to ERA. They've been doing a really good job of cobbling things together with guys like Luke Jackson and company. And for the Chicago Cubs, you still don't have out there the big signing in Craig Kimbrell, so that means that you're relying on guys like Brad Brock and company, and it's just not good. So for that reason, going to be going with the Atlanta Braves here, and I've already locked this one in. As far as the total, it's in wait-and-see mode. We saw a total of 11.5 with Julio Tehran and John Lester on the bump yesterday. We saw that one easily go under. 
If we get a similar total of like 11, I think I'm going to have to take it under. But as always, check back in the morning on my Twitter feed at GNR Squared one Once a line is set, 957-958 on the bag rotation. The Arizona Diamondbacks play OCLA Dodgers. Ross Stripling going to be making a start for the Dodgers. Meanwhile, Robbie Ray goes for the Arizona Diamondbacks. The Dodgers were unsure of their pitcher until the afternoon. So for that reason, this game is currently off the board. I will say that I thought that Ross Stripling should have remained a starter when he has been a starter between the 2018 and 2019 seasons. He's been pretty darn good, and even in his relief appearances, he's been decent. Across his relief and starts, 308 ERA, 3-2 record, 49 and two-thirds innings. He's given up 16 walks, which is a little bit high, but just five home runs. Meanwhile, Robbie Ray, his big issue is walks. He's allowing about 4.4 of them per nine innings, 5-4 and four record, 386. 387 ERA, but in 88 and a third innings, 43 walks is too high. He's given up 11 home runs, and we've just seen in recent performances, Robbie Ray just has not necessarily looked like himself. In his last start against the Colorado Rockies, not too bad. He gave up three runs in six innings, but the start before that gives up five to the Washington Nationals. In four starts in the month of June, he's given up less than three runs in just one of them, and even in his last start in May, he wound up giving up four runs in four and two-thirds innings against the Colorado Rockies. And it's not going to get any easier because this L.A. Dodgers lineup, we've seen it from this team time and time again. They can put up runs in bunches, and it all starts with that man, Cody Bellinger. How about a 349 average go, 25 home runs and 61 RBI? That's pretty stinking good right there. You've got Alex Verdugo. Kyle Garlick, Josh Turner, Matt Beattie, all hitting above a 300 to go along with David Freeze. They've been doing their part. Now, Austin Barnes and Kike Hernandez both hitting below a 220 is not helping out the team. And Jack Peterson's only hitting a 233, but with Jack Peterson, 20 home runs so far this year, and he's got an on-base percentage, nearly 100 points better than his average. So certainly drawing his walks there. Whenever you need Will Smith, he can get jiggy with it. He had that walk-off home run against the Colorado Rockies a couple days ago. And then you got Max Muncy, who seems to be slowing down with the power after he went on a massive binge two weeks ago of home runs. But this is a gentleman that's still hitting 280. And you know what? He's pumped out 17 home runs. So that's pretty darn good. And with the Arizona Diamondbacks, you're noticing some guys doing a great job of supplying the power as well. Eduardo Escobar and Cattell Marte of 37 home runs between the two of them. Cattell Marte hitting a 309. Eduardo Escobar, 282. Christian Walker has went deep 13 times so far this year. After his struggle in the month of May, he seems to have really been able to pick it up. Nick Amad is hitting a 260. David Peralta's not hitting the home runs like he did last year, but he's also batting a 290. You do have Tim LeCastro hitting right around a 245, and Edermo Vargas, hopefully I said that one correctly, a bunch of tough names today, 250 average himself. So all in all, you got a solid lineup out there with the Arizona Diamondbacks, but I do like what Ross Stripling delivers. You have to have a lot of questions with a lot of these bullpens, though. With the Dodgers, guys like Emi Garcia... Caleb Ferguson and company not doing the job. And for the years of the Diamondbacks, Greg Holland has been a solid closer for this team this year, but what are you going to get out of Andrew Chafin? Archie Bradley has his ERA hovering right around a five right now. Yoshi Arano has been far from reliable. So my early leans in this one are to the Dodgers and the over, but check back in the morning on my Twitter feed at GNRSquarty1 for set plays there. We move on to 959-960 on the bank rotation. You got the Colorado Rockies. They are on the road facing off against the San Francisco Giants. Madison Baumgartner goes for the San Francisco Giants and making his first major league debut appearance since 2016, Chichi Gonzalez. We have not seen... I don't think anyone saw Chichi Gonzalez being the starter in this game, so this game is presently off the board. And 
Let's take a look at Mr. Gonzalez's AAA stats because they're not good. Now, Albuquerque is actually a hitter's ballpark out there in AAA, but keep in mind, this is against AAA. 566 ERA, 4-5 and record in 14 starts. He's won 76 and a third innings. He's given up 1.7 home runs per nine innings, 3.9 walks per nine innings, 9.9 hits per nine innings. And this is a guy that failed as a starter a couple years ago with the Texas Rangers. You take a look at his last stint out there at the big leagues. He made three starts in the 2016 season, 871 ERA. And then you take a look at the year before that. He wound up making 10 starts for the Texas Rangers in the 2015 season, 14 games total. He wound up having an ERA of a 390. He actually did a good job in that year. He wound up giving up 0.8 home runs per nine innings, but walks have always been an issue. Between his two years at the big league level, 4.8 walks per nine innings. He's not being backed up by the best of bullpens as well. We've seen the Colorado Rockies gas can so many games lately because you've got nobody reliable out there in the bullpen. Scott Olberg, who had been the best bullpen piece for this team, wound up giving up that game on Sunday. Brian Shaw has hit the skids. Wade Davis is not good. DJ Johnson stinks. Cesar Estevez not getting the job done. Needless to say, this is not a pitching staff that you want to stick your chips into the basket with. Meanwhile, with the San Francisco Giants, well, they haven't been hitting well in general. You take a look at them for the year. They're hitting as a collective 224, 70 home runs so far in their first 76 games of the year. Kevin Pillar has been their best masher, 253 average, 10 home runs, 37 RBI. Pablo Sandoval has actually stepped up for this team. He's got nine home runs. He's hitting right around a 285 to a 290. So he certainly has done his part. Mikey Stremski has given this team a little bit of something. He's hitting a 244, but then you've got the guys that are all hitting between a 240 and essentially a 229. Evan Longoria, Brandon Belt, Joe Panic all fall into that category. You've got Brandon Crawford hitting a 214. I will say that they are getting a little bit of something out of Stephen Boyd, who's hitting right around a 250, and Alex Dickerson. Ever since coming over to the Giants, has been hitting a 258. He made a big contribution in that series against the Arizona Diamondbacks, but Buster Posey has been in and out of the lineup. But I will say this for the San Francisco Giants. They've got by far the better pitching. Madison Bumgarner certainly should not have a 3-7 and record at this point. 428 ERA. Now he has given up 16 home runs in 96 and two-thirds innings. That's a little bit over 1.5 home runs per nine innings, but you take a look at what he's done in the month of June. The Dodgers start that he had in his last outing, three and two-thirds innings, he gave up six runs. That was absolutely atrocious, but if you go back to the start of May, before that start, he had given up more than three earned runs in just one of those I believe it's nine starts. So he all in all has been pretty solid. And then you're backed up by a bunch of good bullpen arms. Guys like Sam Dyson, Will Smith, Mark Melanson and company. So you do have better pitching with the San Francisco Giants. Going to be interesting to see where they have the total on this game. If the total is eight or lower, going to be taking it over. Anything above nine, I might be starting to lean towards an under, but I would need to know a little bit more about how far they plan on having Mr. Gonzalez go. And for the Colorado Rockies, you know all about the bats. They've got three guys at the top of the lineup that are all hitting a 320 or better. Charlie Blackman, David Dahl, and Nolan Arenado. And in the case of Charlie Blackman, he's been pounding out the home runs, and so has Nolan Arenado. A combined 37 between the two of them. Gotta like what Daniel Murphy and... Ian Desmond have been doing to up their averages. Daniel Murphy now hitting at 275. Ian Desmond around to 280. Both these guys had struggles to begin the year. You've got Ryan McBann and Remy Tapia both hitting between a 260 and a 265. Now you're having a little bit of cold hitting out of guys like Brendan Rodgers and Pat Baleka. 
but you also do have Tony Walters who's hitting above a 300 as well. So this is one of those spots where my early leans are to the Giants and to the over, but I need a line on this game before I can give you guys set plays. So check back in the morning on my Twitter feed at GNRSCORD1 for set plays there. We move on to 961-962 on the bang rotation. You've got the Toronto Blue Jays on the road facing off against the New York Yankees. For the New York Yankees, it is to be announced which means that this game is off the board. Meanwhile, Clayton Richard is going to go for the Toronto Blue Jays. Now, judging by what the New York Yankees have been doing recently, this is most likely going to be Chad Green going on the mound. And if you remember, John Von Tobo, the Vegas Sats and Information Network, wound up joining me a couple days ago, and he lent some very interesting insight as to what's been happening whenever Chad Green has been starting for the New York Yankees. Six starts so far this year for him. They've won all six of them. Typically, you have Chad Green go about two innings. From there, you have Nestor Cortez Jr., sometimes Chad Adams, give them a couple innings. And then you have guys like Tommy Canely, David Hale and company be able to do just a wholesale approach. And it's been successful. And with the New York Yankees, this is a team that is playing all sorts of overs. 12 out of their last 16 games went over. And despite the fact that I don't think they had a single run in the first four innings of their game against the Toronto Blue Jays yesterday, they still wound up posting double digits. It's just absolutely insane what this team is doing. And it's all headlined, at least in regards to the power, by Gary Sanchez. This is a man that has a 268 batting average, and he has went deep a grand total of 23 times for this bunch. It is absolutely insane. Luke Voigt, 270 average. He's went deep 17 times. DJ LeMahieu, Gio Urshela are both hitting above a 300. Now, D.D. Gregorius and Brett Gardner are both hitting below a 250. They're leaving a little bit of something to be desired. And Ian Hicks... And Aaron Hicks, ever since coming off the injured list, hasn't been doing much. But now you've got John Carlos Stanton in the fold. Aaron Judge is still reacclimating himself, but he's getting back into form as well. You've got Glaber Torres, who has went deep 18 times. He's got a batting average, hovering right around a 285. John Carlos Stanton got his first home run of the year yesterday as well. This is a team that is just lock-loaded and ready for bear. You even got... Cameron Maben hitting above a 300 whenever they need him. And for the Toronto Blue Jays, the offense has not been there so far this year. Going into their game on Monday, this is a team that as a collective was hitting 225. Now I will say that they're pumping out the home runs. They've got 102 home runs so far this year, so that's been decent. But they just need more guys that could get on base like a Eric Sogard. Eric Sogard hitting 300 at the top of the lineup. Lourdes Gurriel has upped his average to a 287 as well. And Flag Guerrero Jr. hitting a 253. He's got seven home runs, but how about this? Kevin Biggio, Randall Gritchick, Justin Smoke. Rowdy Telez, Billy McKinney, and every one of their catchers, along with Teoscar Hernandez, all hitting below a 230. Freddie Galvis is hitting a 260 for this team. He's wanted out. He's been giving the team right around 10 home runs so far this year. And Rowdy Telez has went deep 14 times. But all in all, the Toronto Blue Jays do not do a good job of being able to get on base. Now, I do think that they're going to hit a couple solo home runs, but in the case of Clayton Richard, Things have not been going well for him this year. 0-3 record, 7.46 ERA. He's been taken deep five times in 25 and a third innings. Now I will say that in his last start, the team actually played well against the LA Angels, and I believe he got the win in that start, but it's just hard to see him giving any more than five innings. The Toronto Blue Jays had a good bullpen to start the year. It got taxed with those bad innings yesterday, though, and they just, in general, the past month, month and a half, have been an untrustworthy bunch. So right now, looking at the Yankees on the run line and an over, but won't have a set play until a line is posted, so check back in the morning on my Twitter feed for that. 963-964 on the bank rotation. You got the Cleveland Indians playing host to the Kansas City Royals. Glenn Sparkman goes for the Royals. Shane Bieber-Fieber for the Cleveland Indians. Your total on this game is 9.5. 
Under is minus 115 on the juicy. Over is minus 105. If you're looking at the Royals, you're going to get a royally big price. Anywhere between plus 190 and plus 215 as team continues to come in on the Indians as they are as far as they are as big of a favorite as minus 250 in some places. You can get them as low as minus 210. And with Shane Bieber, he has been one of the best underpitchers out there in the big leagues. I believe that just three of his 15 starts have went over so far this year, as we saw the last one went under when he faced off against Mike Miner in Texas. But the one thing with Shane Bieber, he allows a lot of hard contact. He's giving up 1.6 home runs per nine innings, 6-3 and three record, 386 ERA, 116 punch outs. So he's getting right around 11 strikeouts per nine innings. But you take a look at the month of June, he's given up at least two runs in every one of those starts. He had that blow up start against the New York Yankees, in which he gave up five runs in less than two innings. Last start in the month of May as well, he gave up six runs to the Boston Red Sox. So this is a man that has been hit and has been hit hard at times. And for the Kansas City Royals, even though they're not necessarily the Mona Lisa veto of power rating, they do have a couple guys who are able to go yard. And it all starts with Mr. Jorge Soler. He has 21 home runs so far this year. He's got a batting average that's hovering right around to 240, but he makes up for that with all that power. Hunter Dozier is out in the lineup. He's getting a home run every 13 or 14 at-bats. He's got a net batting average above 300, as it's with Merrifield. Merrifield has went deep 11 times at the leadoff spot. You're noticing that Adelberto Mondesi, the leader in stolen bases in the league, is out of the fold. He was hitting right around to 270, and Alex Gordon has seen his average hit up to a 262, but you do have Chesler Cuthbert, who has come in, and he's hitting just below 300. Now you do have some of the guys that are leaving, not just a little bit to be desired, but a whole lot to be desired. Umberto Ortega, Martin Maldonado, Cam Gallagher, Billy Hamilton, Ryan O'Hearn, Lucas Duda, and Chris Owings, all hitting below a 230 for this team. And Nicky Lopez is hitting a 240 himself, hasn't really been drawing a lot of walks, but with the Kansas City Royals, you are noticing a little bit of better play out of them. And Glenn Sparkman has actually been a decent pitcher. 2-3 and three record, 362 ERA, 49 two-thirds innings. He's given up seven home runs. He's been not issuing a lot of walks with 12 of them. He all in all has not been a bad pitcher. And with the Cleveland Indians, we are noticing that the bats are starting to ignite for this team as well. Carlos Santana, 293 average, 17 home runs, 47 RBI. Francisco Lindor has went deep 12 times. He's hitting right around to 290 himself. Orlando Mercado has actually been terrific for this team. He's hitting above 300. He's done a great job of being able to get on base. And then you've also got Taylor Naquin who's hitting at 265. Mike Freeman, a 260. You're even getting Roberto Perez that's hitting some home runs. He's upped his average to a 240 to go with 13 home runs. They now have a new gentleman in the fold by the name of Bobby Bradley. He's hitting at 250. Now Jose Ramirez is still hitting at 215, but that's on the incline. And so is Jason Kipnis' batting average of a 243. So you're getting some hot bats out there with the Kansas City Royals. They've got some better pitching out there in the bullpen. Guys like Ian Kennedy, Jake Diekman, and company have been doing a better job of being able to hold down the fort late in game. So for that reason, I'm looking at the Kansas City Royals here with this massive plus price to go along with the under because I do like the way that the Royals have improved their bullpen. And I do think that the Royals are going to be able to get a couple so home runs off of Shane Bieber. But as we know, the Cleveland Indians, number one bullpen in regards to ERA out there in the big leagues as well. So Royals and under are going to be the plays here. Just in wait and see mode as to what set numbers I'm going to get there. We move on to 965-966 on the batting rotation. A game that is presently off the board as it is the Boston Red Sox and they are going to be doing battle at home against the Chicago White Sox. 
For the Chicago White Sox, it's good old to be determined. For the Boston Red Sox, it is going to be David Price. And if you've been betting on David Price in every one of his starts so far this year, you've actually lost a little bit of money, even though he's been very solid. 4-2 record, 3-3-9 ERA, 66 and a third innings. He's only given up seven home runs, and he's actually looked pretty sharp out there in the month of June. You take a look at his four starts out there in the month of June, the one against the Texas Rangers, awful. He recorded four outs and gave up six runs. The other three starts, he's won at least five innings, giving up one or two runs in every one of them. You even look back to the end of May. He wound up getting three starts in the month of May. Now, granted, one of those, he only won two outs in that game against the Astros when he had the sickness, but gave up zero runs there. So all in all, like what I'm seeing out of David Price, for the Chicago White Sox right now, we have no earthly idea who's going to get the start for the team. I'm hoping that I get to say this guy's name once again in Manuel Benuelos. But... We are completely unsure at this point. And for the Boston Red Sox, this is a team that is getting to get going with the bat. J.D. Martinez and Xander Bogarts both hitting between a 285 and a 290. A combined 30 home runs and 93 RBI between the two of them going into the team's game on Monday. Rafael Devers has been aiming above a 300. He has pounded out 10 home runs for this team. Now we are noticing that Mookie Betts is not quite what he was last year. He is hitting a 266. He has 13 home runs though so far this year, so that's helping out. Andrew Benatendi seems to be hitting a little bit better. 275 average. Got a couple guys are laying the team down. Jackie Bradley Jr., though he did hit a home run yesterday, has been hitting just below a 220. You've got Sandy Leone hitting in that neighborhood as well, so those guys need to work on it a little bit. Eduardo Nunez, though, hitting more in the neighborhood of a 235 to a 240. Michael Chavis, 12 home runs, 261 average for him. And then you also have Christian Vasquez, who's hitting a 290. Meanwhile, the Chicago White Sox, Jose Abreu and Yoan Moncada have been absolutely terrific for the team. Yoan Moncada hitting 300 to go with 13 home runs, and he's done a good job of drawing walks. Jose Abreu, not necessarily a walk drawer. His on-base percentage is below 300, but he's hitting right around a 260. He had his 18th home run of the year yesterday. Lourdes Garcia is hitting a 281. You've got Tim Anderson hitting at 315. Yonder Alonso, Jose Rendon, and Wellington Castillo all leaving something to be desired, along with Ryan Cordell. All these guys hitting a 220 or lower, but Yomer Sanchez has gotten his average up to a 250. Eli Jimenez hitting above a 250 himself, and he's been pounding out the home runs with 12 of them. Has been a little bit cold with the bat recently, but all in all, he's been doing a good job. And John Jay is now in the fold as well at the right field spot. Going to be interesting to see what he provides. And James McCann at the catcher spot hitting nearly a 330. I'm thinking that this is a spot where... If it's going to be someone like a Manuel Benuelos, probably going to be looking at the Boston Red Sox and the under. I do think that David Price is going to do a good job against the Chicago White Sox, who have been one of the bottom teams in all baseball in the month of June in regards to runs per game. But we also know this with the White Sox. Even though they might not get the best of starts, they've got a bullpen ERA that's in the top half of the big leagues. Guys like... Aaron Bummer and company have been doing a good job of being able to hold down the fort there. So, leaning under and Red Sox, but as always, check back in the morning on my Twitter feed at GNRSquare. He won for set plays there. 967-968 on the bag rotation. You got the Detroit Tigers playing against the Texas Rangers. Jesse Chavez goes for the Rangers. Jordan Zimmerman for the Tigers. The total on this game is 9.5. And, and the juice is all over the place at this point. Anywhere between minus 110 and minus 115 on the under. Over is anywhere between minus 105 and minus 110. If you're looking at the Rangers, you're going to be laying anywhere between minus 128 and minus 132. Your plus price here with the Tigers, anywhere between plus 115 and plus 122. I just have a tough time having any faith whatsoever in Jordan Zimmerman. In his first start off the injured list, he wound up giving up three runs in four innings against the Pittsburgh Pirates. And truth be told, it should have been worse than that. 
for the year. 0-4 record, 6-0-3 ERA. Jesse Chavez, meanwhile, he actually had a decent start his last time out, going five innings. He's not necessarily going to be your length guy, but we are also noticing with the Texas Rangers, the bullpen of this team has been much improved ever since Joey Gallo went on the injured list. And it's the reason why the Texas Rangers have been playing a lot of unders. For my count, the under is 14-8-1 in the Rangers game so far this month, so they've been doing certainly a good job there. But with the Detroit Tigers, man, this bullpen is not good. They've got one of the worst bullpens out there in the big leagues, ERA north of 5 and Jordan Zimmerman is not giving this team a lot of very good innings whatsoever. With the Detroit Tigers, the offense has been all over the place. you got Miguel Cabrera, who only has four home runs so far this year. He's hitting a .295 and has done a good job of getting on base. Brandon Dixon, nine home runs, 30 RBI. He's hitting just north of .250. He's probably been their best power bat so far this year. You've got Jacoby Jones at the top of the lineup. He's also got eight home runs, .250 average, so he's been doing a solid job there. You've also got Nick Cassianos hitting a .270, but then you've got Christian Stewart, Gordon Beckham, Nico Goodrum, all in that 225 to 235 range. And Nico Goodrum's actually up to his average of a 240, but Roddy Rodriguez is hitting a 220. The catcher spot in general for this team has been a dump. Harold Castro is hitting a 266, but you're just not getting a lot of power in general. As the only team with fewer home runs out there in the league than the Detroit Tigers is the Miami Marlins. You take a look at the flip side for the Texas Rangers, they haven't necessarily had the power ever since they lost Joey Gallo and Hunter Pence. These guys have been missing for the past few weeks. You got Joey Gallo mashing a double-digit round of home runs with a 275 average, and likewise with Hunter Pence. But for the Rangers, you do also have a couple guys that are doing a nice job of getting on base in Danny Santana and Elvis Andrews. Both these guys hitting between a 304 and a 310. No Mazzara has provided 10 home runs with a 276 average. You do have a couple famine bats out there as well. Rudnan Odor, Ronald Guzman, and Tim Fedorowicz are laying below a 215, along with Jeff Mathis, who sometimes sees some run at the catcher spot. But you also have Sin Chu 289 average. 12 home runs, been very solid for this team. And as Drupal Cabrera, seen his average dip to a 231, but he's got 11 home runs as well. And with the Texas Rangers, I think that they're going to have their man, Jesse Chavez, give up a couple of runs. He has given up seven dingers in 45 and a third innings, and he's not necessarily great at providing length. So for that reason, all aboard the over and all aboard the Texas Rangers. Currently Wayne C mode on both these numbers. I am noticing that the Rangers are getting steamed down a little bit, and I'd like to see if I'm able to get a nine on this game, but... We're going to be playing both of those. As we move on to 969-970 on the bang rotation, the Minnesota Twins play also the Tampa Bay Rays. Blake Snell goes for the Rays. Kyle Gibson for the Twins. Your total on this game is 9. Across the board, the over and under, both at minus 110. If you're looking at the Rays, you're going to be laying anywhere between minus 110 and minus 115. Your price on the Twins is going to vary between even money and plus 104. And this is a spot where I do have to take a look at the Minnesota Twins. Kyle Gibson doesn't necessarily have the numbers that you'd look for for a 7-4 pitcher. He's went 79 and two-thirds innings. He's given up 11 home runs, 418 ERA. But Blake Snell, 440 ERA, 4-6 and six record. He's been taken deep 10 times in 75 and two-thirds innings. And the command hasn't been there. 28 walks. We saw it on full display against the New York Yankees in that first inning. He wound up giving up six runs while recording just one out. And it was all on only three hits. You take a look at the beginning of the month of June. He gives up six runs in four and a third innings against the Detroit Tigers. Now, I know that Scott Hastings pointed out that he has been able to bounce back from those bad starts, but a lot of those bounce back spots are not against a team like the Minnesota Twins, who have 147 home runs in 77 games. They're on pace to shatter the all-time record. They're hitting as a team 271, and it starts with Eddie Rosario. 20 home runs, 
269 average, 57 RBI. Jorge Polanco has went deep a multiple amount of times. He's hitting right around 325 for the bunch. You've got Max Kepler back in the lineup. He's hitting at 274. He has went deep 19 times. Nelson Cruz and Mitch Carver are back in the fold. Mitch Carver hitting right around a 300. Nelson Cruz, 266, 13 home runs. CJ Krohn is hitting a 281, 17 home runs for him. Miguel Sano has not been doing well with the average, right around a 210, but he's going deep about once every 13 at bats. Jake Cave and Jace Castro leaving a little bit of something to be desired, but even guys like Kahir Adrianza are doing a good job of hitting. Meanwhile, the Tampa Bay Rays, the offense has been selective. They looked very good on Sunday, and you've got Austin Meadows, who's went deep 12 times to go with a batting average of 300, and Brandon Lowe, 15 home runs, 280 average himself, but there are a couple guys that do leave some question marks on this team. Mike Zanino at the catcher spot is hitting below the Mendoza line. Guillermo Heredia has seen his average up to a 232. Joey Wendell's hitting well below 200. They wound up having to give a little bit of an interesting start in the infield to Michael Brusso. He's only hitting a 200. You've got Avicio Garcia, though, and Tommy Pham. Both these guys hitting a 294, and in both their cases, they have at least 10 home runs. Travis Aorno has picked up his average as well to a 241. You are noticing that Kevin Kiermaier and William Thomas both hitting right around to 250 as well, but all in all, it's just a little bit of a mismatch for this team. We do know that with the Tampa Bay Rays, you got to be betting them on the run line because 40 of their first 45 wins have been by multiple runs, and the Minnesota Twins have actually been playing a surprising amount of one-run games recently as well, so I do think that that's an interesting parallel, but in this spot, I am all aboard the Minnesota Twins with the small plus price and the over. I do think that Gibson is going to give up a couple runs, and we've noticed the Tampa Bay Rays with guys like Chaz Rowe and Diego Castillo and company have been giving up quite a few runs, so I do think that Gibson maybe gives a little bit of a lesser start than the Rays, but I actually think the Minnesota Twins bullpen, which is one of the better ones out there in the big leagues, gets the job done. So, going to be going Twins and over in the spot, just in waiting to see what, what set numbers I'll get there. We move on to 971, 972 on the batting rotation. You've got the San Diego Padres on the road facing off against the Baltimore Orioles. For the Orioles, it was announced that it would be Josh Rogers, but they're going to have an opener for him in Jacob Yacobonis. And for the San Diego Padres, it is Logan Allen since the Baltimore Orioles were completely unsure of what they're doing at the pitcher spot. Heck, I still think that they're unsure of what they're doing at the pitcher spot, even though they have already announced their opener slash starter. This game is presently off the board. And in Logan Allen, in his first start, he looked terrific against Milwaukee Brewers. Went seven innings, did not give up a single run. Now I do think that there's going to be a regression, because if you take a look at what he did at AAA El Paso in 13 starts this year, 5-1-5 ERA, 4-3 record, but... This is a gentleman that offered up 3.4 walks per 9 innings, 9.5 hits per 9 innings, 1.44 whip. So obviously that's not a redeeming quality there. I will say that in his stint at AAA last year, he was actually much better. He made five starts there, so obviously his limited sample size, but he wound up having a 163 ERA with a 4-0 record in that regard. So I do think that there is going to be some regression for Mr. Allen. But with that said, have you guys seen the Baltimore Orioles recently? Jason Rogers is going to be following up Jacob, Jacob Yacobonis, which I will say, if there is one guy that's doing a decent job for the Baltimore Orioles at this point, it's Jacob Yacobonis. He's been doing a good job of being able to eat up innings for them. But with that said, with the gentleman that is going to be following him and Mr. Rogers, the other team has been all in his neighborhood. He's got an ERA hovering right around 8.5. He's been giving up 
right around three home runs per nine innings. It's just not good. And you've got a Baltimore Orioles bullpen that is second only to the Washington Nationals in regards to ERA. They just got hit around like a pinata in that series against the Seattle Mariners with the San Diego Padres. We all know about the bullpen at this point. Guys like Brad Wiak, Matt Wilson, and company are not so trustworthy. Kirby Yates, aside from that blown save that he had against the Pittsburgh Pirates on Sunday, has been reliable. And with the San Diego Padres, you can rely on a lot of these bats. Eric Cosmer is hitting a 283, 11 home runs, 51 RBI. Hunter Renfro and Fanmiel Reyes have both been doing a great job of being able to go deep for this team. They've got a combined 43 home runs. You've got both these men hitting between a 245 and a 251. Manny Machado doing a much better job with the bat. Now he's up to his average to a 278, 16 home runs. He's back online. Fernando Tatis Jr. at the top of the lineup, hitting 323. He does a good job with his power. Now you got a couple guys who are letting the team down. Catcher spot in general for the San Diego Padres has been poor. And then you've got Will Myers and Ian Kinsler, both hitting around a 220. Manuel Margot is hitting a 240. But then you take a look at the Baltimore Orioles. Got a couple guys who are doing a nice job. You got to love what Trey Mancini is doing. 17 home runs, 305 average. 36 RBI. Renato Nunez has went deep 17 times as well. His batting average is hovering more around a 235 to a 240, though. And then you've got Hanser Alberto at the top line, hitting a 300. Pedro Severino had a three home run game a couple weeks ago against the Texas Rangers. He's hitting a 260. Chance Cisco is playing the I'm batting 242 song instead of the thong song. I don't know why. I don't know how, but apparently that's how it's going here. Jonathan VR hitting a 250. You got Dwight Smith Jr. back in the fold. He's hitting nearly a 260. Leads the team in RBI. Anthony Santander's hitting a 262. But then take a look at this. You've got Rio Ruiz, Stevie Wilkerson, Keon Broxton. Richie Martin, Chris Davis, all these guys are hitting a 220 or lower for this bunch. Needless to say, that is a lot of struggling bats out there. So for that reason, going to be looking at the San Diego Padres on the run line and the over. The over has just been cashing whenever you take the Baltimore Orioles games because they give up all the runs by themselves, and they actually have a decent offense too. So for that reason, going to be looking at the Padres and the over, but as always, in case something strange happens, check back in the morning on my Twitter feed at GNRR Squarey1 for set plays when the line is up. We move on to 973-974 on the betting rotation. The Milwaukee Brewers play also the Seattle Mariners. Marco Gonzalez goes for the Seattle Mariners. Zach Davies for the Brewers. Your total on this game is 10 with the juice on the over anywhere between minus 110 and minus 115. The under is anywhere between minus 105 and minus 110. If you're looking at the Milwaukee Brewers, you're going to be laying anywhere between minus 166 and minus 175 plus price here with the Seattle Mariners. Anywhere between plus 152 and plus 156. This one is ranging all over the place, but I do like the Seattle Mariners in this spot, and it's because of their starting pitcher, Marco Gonzalez. The Milwaukee Brewers are highly touted for their bullpen, which is headlined by Josh Hader, but the other guys like Alex Claudio and company have not been doing a very good job for this team, and for Marco Gonzalez, he had a very rough stretch in the month of May and in his first start in the month of June, but you take a look at what he's done in his last three starts. He's won at least five and two-thirds innings at all three of them, and he's given up one or two runs in each of them, and all three have been wins. He's really been the key formula for the Seattle Mariners. We know that with their bullpen, it's not good. They had their failed opener experiment and everything like that. One of the bottom five bullpens out there in the big leagues, but Zach Davies has been getting hit around as well. 7-1 record, 3.06 ERA, not necessarily a guy that's going to get a bunch of punch outs. He's getting right around six and a half strikeouts per nine innings, but you take a look at the month of June. Gave up two runs in his first start in the month of June in eight innings against the Pittsburgh Pirates. Then he had two starts where he gave up three runs in five innings against the Pirates and the Giants. And then in the Padres start, he just got banged around, giving up 
five runs in two and two-thirds innings there. For the Milwaukee Brewers, needless to say, they've got a solid bet in Christian Yelich. 29 home runs, 342 average. The man has been absolutely incredible. You do have a couple guys that are struggling. Jesus Aguiar, Manny Pena, Travis Shaw, all hitting below a 167. Orlando Arcia seems to be getting back with the average of 241 there. Ben Gamble and Eric Thames both hitting between a 255 and a 260. You've got Ryan Brown who's hitting a 265. And then Mike Moustakis and Yasmani Grandal have both been doing a great job of being able to supply some support. Yasmani Grandal hitting a 274 with 17 home runs. Moustakis has went deep 22 times. 280 average there, so that has been good for this team. And then you take a look at the flip side for the Seattle Mariners. This is a team that, even though they've been playing very, very poorly recently, they are leading the league in regards to overrate. Over 70% of their games have went over, which is interesting because the Brewers have been one of the better under teams out there in the big leagues. And for the Seattle Mariners, do have a couple guys that are lacking with regards to the average Dylan Moore, Mac Williamson, and Kyle Seeger all hitting below a 225. Daniel Vogelbach, 250 average. He has went deep 18 times. Domingo Santana he is providing a batting average of a 282 to go with 17 home runs, 59 RBI. JP Crawford getting on at a clip of a 300 average. D. Gordon doesn't draw too many walks, but he's a great base dealer, 270 average there. You also have to like the fact that Austin Nola, who they just called up, is hitting a 300 as well. Omar Navarro and Tom Murphy at the catcher spot, both hitting above a 285, and they have the third most home runs at the catcher spot of any team out there in the big leagues. And Malik Smith has upped his average to a 235 as well. And I do think that the Mariners get a better start here out of Marco Gonzalez than the Milwaukee Brewers do out of Zach Davies. I think that the regression on Zach Davies is real. And for that reason, I am looking at the plus price here with the Seattle Mariners and the total under. I do think that Marco Gonzalez is going to buck the trend here. He's going to be able to keep the total under. And I think that the Mariners hit enough solo home runs to be able to win this game. So looking at the Mariners on the under, just in waiting Simo because I'm seeing steam coming in on the Brewers and the over. 975-976 on the bank rotation. The Pittsburgh Pirates hit the road to face off against the Houston Astros. Trevor Williams goes for the Buccos. Meanwhile, Garrett Cole faces his former team for the Houston Astros. Total on this game is 8.5. The under has juice anywhere between minus 110 and minus 120. The over is anywhere between even and minus 110. If you're looking at the Pittsburgh Pirates, well, you're certainly going to be getting a plus price here. That is anywhere between plus 215 and plus 240. Want to lay a deer with the Houston Astros? You're going to be having to lay anywhere between minus 255 and minus 280. Needless to say, that is a little bit too much juice to be laying on Garrett Cole, who wound up taking the loss against the Cincinnati Reds. He didn't personally, but the team did. He has been a very solid pitcher so far this year. No ifs, ands, or buts about it, but he does have a little bit of a problem giving up the long ball. So far for Garrett Cole this year, 96 and two-thirds innings. He's got 148 strikeouts. He's averaging 12.5 strikeouts per nine innings, but 16 home runs. That's more than 1.5 home runs per nine innings. He obviously has solid numbers overall. 6-5 record, 3.54 ERA. In the month of June, he's won at least six innings in all four of his starts, giving up one or two runs in every one of them. But with Trevor Williams, this is also a guy that led the league in regards to ERA after the All-Star break last year. Obviously, he's had a very short sample size this year with being on the injured list. In his first start off the injured list, he gave up seven runs and five innings against the Detroit Tigers. But the good news for him is he's getting an Astros team that has hobbled. Jose Altuve is back in the fold, but you got to think that he needs a little bit of time to reacclimate. Got like what Alex Bregman and Michael Brantley are doing. Brantley hitting a 322 with 11 home runs. And Bregman, 21 home runs, 51 RBI. He's hitting nearly a 260. Jordan Alvarez has also been a very nice find for this team. In two weeks up at the big league level, he has done a nice job of being able to hit 333. He has went deep 
seven times for the squad, so that is certainly helping. But Yuri Gurriel hasn't necessarily been the same player this year, 261 average. Robinson Chirinos, after going on a nice binge of home runs a couple weeks ago, now hitting a 234. Jake Marizic has fallen back to his 253 average. Tony Gemp and Tyler White both hitting right around a 230. Josh Reddick is hitting a 300. But then you also have just a couple other guys like Max Stassi went over there in the lineup that they're not providing much. Meanwhile, you take a look at the Pittsburgh Pirates. You've actually got a lot of guys doing a great job of being able to provide an average. And it all starts with Josh Bell. 20 home runs, over 65 RBI. He is hitting a 315. Kevin Newman, 314 at the top of the lineup. Brian Reynolds, a 362. McMilkey Cabrera, 313 average. Now, Jung Okung is hitting well below the Minos line, but he's really the only cold bat out there. Jose Azuna is hitting a 290. You've got Elias Diaz hitting a 275. Colin Moran, a 271. Adam Frazier, more around a 263. But all in all, you've got a lot of very dangerous bats. For the Pittsburgh Pirates, the bullpen pitching certainly left a little bit of something to be desired over the weekend, but you can still trust in guys like Kyle Crick, Francisco Larry, Ano, and Felipe Vasquez. With the Houston Astros, they've got one of the better bullpens out there in the big leagues. Guys like Josh James and company have been doing good, but Chris Zavinsky shown himself to be a little bit untrustworthy. I do think that both these starters deliver a good start, but I do think that the Pirates are going to be able to get a home run or two off of Garrett Cole, which will be the difference. So for that reason, riding with the plus price here of the Buccos and the under, with the under, probably going to wind up locking this thing in. I actually did see a little bit of money just trickling on the over, so might be in wait and see mode there, and certainly the money is coming in on the Houston Astros, so I'm wait and see mode there. 977-978 on the bank rotation. The St. Louis Cardinals play LC Oakland A's. Chris Bassett, who has been a very nice asset for the Oakland A's, goes for the aforementioned Oakland A's. Meanwhile, for the St. Louis Cardinals, it is Jack Flaherty. Your total on this game is 8.5. Juice on the over is anywhere between minus 115 and minus 120. The under is anywhere between even and minus 105. If you're looking at the A's, going to be getting a plus price here. That is anywhere between plus 120 and plus 127. If you'd like to lay it with the St. Louis Cardinals, laying anywhere between minus 135 and minus 137, I just have a very tough time trusting in Jack Flaherty. He and Chris Bassett have actually both been giving up quite a few home runs. So I will say that Bassett, I don't think, has given up a home run in each of his last two starts. With Bassett, 64 and a third innings, he's given up eight home runs. 27 walks is a little bit high, but 4 and 3 record, 364 ERA. Meanwhile, Flaherty, he's given up 15 home runs in 80 and two thirds innings. That's right around 1.6 and 1.7 home runs per nine innings, 26 walks. Not too bad, not too great. He's got 89 punch outs, so he's getting over 10 strikeouts per nine innings, but he's also backed up by a bullpen that we saw on Sunday is not very good. You've got guys like Genesis Cabrera having to come out. Not been very good. Jordan Hicks is not what he was at the beginning of the year. Andrew Miller is not the Andrew Miller of old. And with the Oakland A's, they've got a couple leaky arms out there. Aaron Brooks is not necessarily the best in long relief. J.B. Wendelkirk has been up and down. Blake Try and Luke Trevino aren't what they were last year, but I do like the way that Chris Bassett is rolling. I like the way that the Oakland A's have been rolling in general. Matt Chapman in the lineup has really been a key cog for this team. 266 average. He has went deep 18 times. Marcus Simeon doing a good job of being able to set the table. He is on base percentage is a 360 batting average of a 275. Matt Olson is going deep once every about 13 or so at bats to go with his 235 average. You've also got Robbie Grossman and Chris Davis hitting between a 244 and a 250. Jeff Feigley is hitting at a clip of about a 260, along with Chad Pinder. Ramon Loreno has went deep a double-digit amount of times to go with his 
266 average. And Mark Gann has been laying the team down a little bit, 227 average, but he has went deep 10 times. Jerickson Profire has his average right around a 220. And then you take a look at the flip side for the St. Louis Cardinals. The averages have not necessarily been there for the team, but Marcel Ozuna is doing a good job of being able to provide the boom. 20 home runs. His batting average is at a 256. Paul Goldschmidt is actually hitting a 256. Still drawing his walks, but only 14 home runs for him. Paul DeYoung has probably actually been a better hitter for this team. 264 average, 13 home runs for him. Matt Carpenter has struggled all year long. He's doing a good job of walking, but only a 220 average. Harrison Bader is hitting a 209. Colton Wong at 242. Yadier Molina is hitting a 266. And then you've got Jose Martinez hitting a 291 with the St. Louis Cardinals. You've got a lot of guys that are doing a decent job of walking, but they're just not putting the ball in play in general. And I do think that Chris Bassett is going to do a good job of being able to limit the damage. I think he'll give out a couple walks, but I do think that'll keep everything in front of him. I do think that the Oakland A's are certainly going to be able to get to Jack Flaherty and they're going to be able to hit him hard. So for that reason, going to go with the Oakland A's and the over. With the over, I'd like to be able to get more of a minus 110 juice on that 8.5. And and with the Oakland A's, I'm noticing a little bit of money coming in on the St. Louis Cardinals. So I'm waiting to see mode there, but going to ride out both of those as we wrap things up with 979-980 on the bang rotation. The LA Angels play also the Cincinnati Reds. Going for the Reds is Tyler Molly. Meanwhile, for the Angels, you've got Andrew Heaney. Your total on this game is 9. The juice on the over is anywhere between minus 110 and even. If you're looking at the under, that is anywhere between minus 110 and minus 120. The Angels are pretty significant favorites here. Anywhere between minus 150 and minus 155. Plus price with the Cincinnati Reds. Anywhere between plus 140 and plus 143. And this is a spot where I do look at the Reds. Now, I do have to point out, the Reds are 4-15 dating back to last year in the last 19 starts of Tyler Molly, and he has only a 2-7 record, but he certainly has pitched better than that. He's got a 4-170 RA. This is a gentleman that, over the course of his career, has been giving up a couple too many home runs. 1.8 per 9 innings last year, 1.5 per 9 innings this year, but he does a good job of limiting the walks. Just 2.1 walks per 9 innings as well. And all in all, you take a look at what he's done decently. It's nothing great, but it's certainly nothing awful as well. In the month of June, he's made three starts. He's wound up giving up two, three, and two runs in all of them. Now, he did get roughed up in the month of May when he took on the Cubs and gave up six runs, but past that, he's actually been pretty solid ever since the beginning of the month of May. And you take a look at the flip side for the Angels. You are starting to get some better starts out of Andrew Heaney. He looked very good when he gave up one run in five innings against the Tampa Bay Rays, but the start after that against the Toronto Blue Jays, three and two-thirds innings, he gives up five runs. He's been hit hard. Seven home runs in 25 and a third innings, and with the Cincinnati Reds, they only had 235 as a collective, but 106 home runs so far this year, and it's all led by Derek Diedrich. He has only one home run so far this month, hitting right around a 230, but he has provided 18 home runs. Eugenio Suarez hitting in the realm of a 250. He's went deep 15 times. Joey Votto has upped his average to a 260. He still does a good job of being able to draw walks. Jesse Winker also has his average above a 250. You're noticing that Nick Senzel is picking it up as well. 271 average. Jose Iglesias, 294. Yasiel Puig has his average at a 240 as well. He had been doing really bad before then. 16 home runs for him. You have a couple guys that are leaving something to be desired. Jose Peraza, Phil Irvin, and Tucker Barnard are all hitting below a 225. Kyle Farmer has his average up to a 242. And Kirk Cazale getting more at-bats. He's hitting a 272. And with the Cincinnati Reds, a top-five bullpen in regards to ERA out there in the big leagues. And with the LA Angels... Their bullpen has been in the bottom 10 of the league ever since the beginning of the month of May, so they don't have a lot of backup there. But what they do have is a lot of guys that have been hitting recently. And it all starts with Mike Trout. 307 average, 22 home runs, over 50 RBI. We all know what he's able to do, but 
what a lot of people don't know is that Tommy LaSalle has become a good leadoff hitter as well. 297 average to go with 15 home runs. Jonathan Lucroy hitting a 238, so he's been a little bit up and down. But then you got Brian Goodwin and Justin Upton both hitting above a 280. And throwing there, Daniel Fletcher is hitting a 293. Cole Calhoun and Albert Pools both hitting between a 232 and a 238, but they're both supplying some power. Albert Pools, 13 home runs. Cole Calhoun, 16 dingers. Luis Rangifo has gotten his average up to a 243 as well. And then you've also been getting a little bit of production out of a unexpected catcher in Justin Garneau. He's hitting above a 300 as well. And Wilfredo Tovar and Justin Bohr have essentially been relegated out of the line. If they're both hitting below the Mendoza line, then you have got Shoy Otani hitting a 275 as well. This is a spot where I do look at the plus price here of the Cincinnati Reds because I do think that their bullpen is going to be able to do a very good job. And I think that Andrew Heaney delivers a decent start as well and he's able to keep the ball in the yard because because the ballpark out there in Los Angeles plays different during the nighttime than it does during the day. So I think it becomes a little bit of a, more of a pitcher-friendly situation. So going to be on the under and the Cincinnati Reds. I have already wound up locking in the under just in wait and see mode on the Cincinnati Reds. And that will do it for the Tuesday edition of MLB Overtime Betting. A big thanks to our regular Scott Hastings Vod Shark for joining me in the last segment. And if you like what you're hearing from this fine podcast, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher. If you ever have a question for the podcast, feel free to tweet it in at GNNRSquare81. And let's make today a successful, profitable, and fun one. I'll talk at you guys once again tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning in.